Scripture this morning is from John chapter 14, verses 1 to 6. If you would stand, please, for the reading of the Scripture. We continue our study through the Gospel of John. If you notice on the back flap of your bulletin, we've got the order of service for the, for the evening now in the bulletin, if that means anything to you. John chapter 14, verses 1 to 6. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also, and you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. May God add his richest blessing to reading of this portion of his holy word. Will you pray with me, please? Father in heaven, again, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you've spoken to us. We thank you that you have given us your son, the word made flesh. And we pray that by the power of his spirit, that you would open our eyes, our ears, and our hearts. That as we see your word, we would see him high and lifted up. We pray that you would come and meet with each of us as only you can, that you would meet each of us where we are and tell us exactly what we need to hear for all things are open and laid bare before the eyes of you, the one with whom we have to do. And your word is sharper than any double-edged sword piercing to the dividing of joints and marrow of soul and spirit and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So come and tell each one of us exactly what we need to hear, whether a word of encouragement, comfort, a word of conviction, a word of conversion. And do this, we pray, in spite of the inability and sin of the preacher. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated, please. Jesus, the way. In John 12 and verse 27, Jesus had said, Now is my soul troubled. As he contemplated the reality that his hour had come, the hour for him to be lifted up, crucified, Jesus was troubled in his spirit. But now that the hour is right upon him, his concern in John 14, 1, is that his disciples are troubled in spirit. Martin Lloyd-Jones said that Jesus was more concerned about their unhappiness than his own immediate problem. On the very eve of the cross, our Lord gave himself freely in comfort 
and consolation to others. And Lloyd-Jones went on to say how typical and characteristic of Jesus. And so here is the Lord, Jesus Christ, as he goes to his own passion, suffering, and death. And he is the one offering comfort to those for whom he is suffering. The next three chapters of John, 14, 15, and 16, Jesus teaches his disciples what they need to hear, what they need to know for the coming trouble. But specifically, Here in chapter 14, Jesus essentially expands on the three things he says of himself in verse 6, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so for the next three messages, we'll be in John 14, looking at Jesus the way, Jesus the truth, and Jesus the life. And we'll be looking at how each of these truths is help and comfort for the troubled heart and soul. So now, today, let's look together at Jesus the way. First in this passage, you see relief for the troubled heart. Relief for the troubled heart. Look at verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. These disciples were troubled in heart. Several of the, of the old-time divines that I read referred to this as heart trouble. And the skinniest health nut with the lowest cholesterol in this house today is just as prone to this kind of heart trouble as I am. Bishop Ryle said, heart trouble is the commonest thing in the world. No rank or class or condition is exempt from it. No bars or bolts or locks can keep it out, partly from inward causes and partly from outward, partly from the body and partly from the mind, partly from what we love and partly from what we fear. The journey of life is full of of trouble. Man born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. Now these disciples are troubled because the things that Jesus has been telling them about for some time now are just finally beginning to sink in. Now that the hour has in fact come, he'd been telling them that he would be arrested, that he would suffer and die. And perhaps it was such a foreign concept that Messiah, the Christ, the conquering king, would suffer and die that it simply did not register in their minds. Or maybe they just put it out of their minds. But now on this night, It is palpable. They can feel it. Something terrible is about to happen. Look back up at chapter 13 and verse 33. Jesus says, Little children, 
Yet a little while I am with you, you will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. Jesus is going away. And they cannot come with him. And then the last word of chapter 13, Jesus tells Peter, you will deny me three times before tomorrow morning. Then the very next words, let not your hearts be troubled. He doesn't just tell them not to be troubled. He tells them what to do about it. And essentially he tells them to do first uh, two things. The first thing he tells them to do to relieve their troubled hearts is to believe in the Father and the Son. Believe in the Father and the Son. Look in the middle of verse 1. Believe in God, believe also in me. Now here in the English Standard Version, which I use, both are commands. Believe, that's a command. Believe in God, that's a believe, another command, in Jesus. Authorized King James Version, the ESV is the one I use, the King James is the one I know. It says you believe in God. Just a statement of fact. You do believe in God. Believe, command, believe also in me. It could go either way. But Jesus, what he's saying is believe in me just as you believe in God. Again, as he has throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus here is saying that he is equal with God. If he is not equal with God, and he puts believing in him on the same level as believing in God, that's an idolatrous abomination. He's saying he is equal with God. Believe in me just as you believe in God. He is God, but there's more to it than that. Look at verse 2. In my Father's house are many rooms. <coughs> if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? He is going to prepare them a place in the Father's house. He's the Son in the Father's house. So in the context of this passage, we'll see it a lot more as we work through the next few weeks, but Jesus is telling us, he's instructing us, commanding us not just to believe that there is a God and that he is equal with God, not just to believe even in the doctrine of the Trinity, but to believe specifically and personally in the Father and the Son. This is the kind of faith that relieves the troubled heart. Now one of the most well-known and beloved things that the Apostle Paul ever wrote was a question. He asked, if God be for us, who can be against us? And if you know that passage, you know Paul is asking 
How do you know God is for you when there is persecution? When there is famine or nakedness or peril or sword? How do you know God loves you when you are being led like sheep to the slaughter? You remember his answer? He who spared not his own son, but gave him up freely for us all. The Father gave the Son. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and gave his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. At one point in my youth, I was with some family and attended a church in a liberal mainline Protestant denomination. And the thing that began to open my eyes that I needed to get out of that liberal mainline Protestant church, well, it was the Holy Spirit who opened my eyes, but the thing that he brought to my attention that I noticed as a teenager was that the preacher in that church would not use masculine pronouns to refer to God. That was politically incorrect. And it made for some awkward sentences when he preached. He wouldn't say, may God bless the reading of his word because his is masculine. He said, may God bless the reading of God's word every time he read scripture. And I began to notice that and think something's not right here. And when I caught on to that, I began to listen carefully and I noticed that he never ever, ever called God Father. Well, folks, a religion that does not recognize and acknowledge the Father is simply not the Christian religion. And some kind of a vague belief in a generic God will give no true relief to the troubled heart and soul. But the truth is that God is the Father and from all eternity His only begotten Son has been in His bosom. And the Son is exactly like the Father. And the Father has so loved us that He gave His Son for us. And you see, that's something concrete, something outside our circumstances. When there is persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword, it can't undo the fact that God so loved us that he gave his son. And we can have assurance because the father is pleased with his son. The work that the Son has done for our salvation. The Father is pleased with it. 
and so I am safe and secure from all alarms. We're to believe in the Father and the Son. And the second thing we ought to do to relieve our troubled hearts is to meditate on the future life. Meditate on the future life. Look at verse 2. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am there you may be also. Calvin said that whatever trouble or tribulation comes into our lives, God has a purpose for all the trouble that troubles our hearts. And it is this. God's purpose in that trouble is to break us from loving and clinging too tightly to this world and to learn to love and aspire to and meditate on the future world. That's what Jesus is saying here. Let not your hearts be troubled. Look to the future. Meditate on the future life. Life in the Father's house. Jesus says five things about the future life, about heaven in these two verses, which we will hit very, very quickly. First, he says it's a home. He calls it my Father's house. It's the image there of a family home. The most beautiful house is not a home. The biggest house is not a home. Square footage does not make a home. The love of a family makes a home. Heaven is the Father's house, and thus it is a home. Secondly, there's plenty of room there. He says there are many rooms or many mansions. Uh, The Greek word is simply dwellings, and uh, old Jerome translated it uh, mansions in the Latin Vulgate, and that's how we got mansions. But, you know, it'd be a badly mixed metaphor to say that there's mansions in a house. (laughs) Although I like it the way I learned it, and I love the old song, I got a mansion, I want a mansion over the hilltop. I hope I can get the choir to sing it sometime. But the emphasis is not on the mansions, on the side of the dwellings. It's on the number of them. There are many of them. There's room for you. If you don't go to heaven, it won't be because there was not room for you to be there. Thirdly, Jesus has prepared it. He says, I go there to prepare a place for you. We'll get to how he prepares it later. But Jesus, the Son, has a place ready for you in the Father's house. Fourthly, he says, he will take us there. He says, I'll come again and take you to myself. This is clearly a reference to the second coming. He's coming back the same way that he's fixing to go, he says. He's going to leave bodily, and he's coming back bodily. He's coming back to get us. I think it was Ryle who said it would be completely nonsensical for him to go to the trouble to prepare us a place and then not come back and get us there. And fifthly, he tells us that he is there. He says, where I am, there you may be also. That's what makes heaven, heaven. Jesus is there. My wife and I have been married, I believe, for six years and eight months. 
That sound about right? Seemed only a few days to me. It seemed decades for her. But we have four children from age five to four months old. In the six years and eight months that we have been married, Anna and I have lived in four different houses and owned near one of them. And I've loved all the houses we've lived in, including the one we're in now at Smyrna, except one. And I despised that house. But even in the one house I despised, I had a home there. Mercifully, I only had to stay there about three months. I despised that house, but I had a home there because Anna was there. Now, we will love everything about heaven, but what makes heaven heaven is not the golden streets of the 12 gates of solid pearl. It will be wonderful to be reunited with those who have passed on, but even they are not what makes heaven heaven. What makes heaven heaven is that Jesus is there, and where he is, there we will be also. So you see relief for the troubled heart. Belief in the Father and Son and, and meditation on the future life. Now, secondly and finally, we need to get through this. You see the way. The way. Look at verse 5. Thomas, uh, go back to verse 4. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus tells them they know the way to the place he is preparing for them. And Thomas says to him, no, we don't. We don't even know where it is. We don't know the way there. So Jesus makes that great claim, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's what he says. There is no other way to God. No other way to heaven but through him. He is the way. Now this is how it comes together. Believing in the Father and the Son and meditating on the future life. Those are not just two random happy thoughts for bad days. No, it's by believing in the Father and the Son that we make it to the future life. It doesn't matter how nice you are, how sincere you are. Heaven is in the Father's house. And the only way into the Father's house is to believe in His Son. Good Muslims, good Buddhists, good Hindus, good Jews, they don't go to heaven. And otherwise good people who belong to Protestant churches but do not really know Jesus Christ in their hearts, do not go to heaven. Now I know that's considered hate speech today. 
You may remember about a year and a half ago that Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont tried to block a nominee from serving in the Treasury Department because he had once written an article for a Christian magazine in which he said that Jesus is the only way to God. That's not a matter of hate. It's a matter of effectiveness. No other path can get us to heaven. Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. No one else has prepared a place for you. No one else can prepare a place for you. You know what it took to prepare a place for you. It took the blood of the cross because what keeps the human race out of heaven is sin. It takes righteousness to get into heaven and we have no righteousness. It takes blood to satisfy the justice due for our sin. No one has done that but Jesus Christ. Bishop Ryle again said, there is only one door, one bridge, one ladder between earth and heaven, the crucified Son of God. He has done it. He alone has done it. He has prepared a place for you. You know, we all have heart trouble. Maybe you have a guilty conscience. And you need to hear that Jesus has prepared a place for sinners to enter the presence of God and finally be made free of all sin. Maybe your physical health is in jeopardy. And maybe you need to hear Jesus promise that where I am, there you may be also. Or maybe you just don't know. Jerry Clower said one day he was walking across the campus of Mississippi State University and he saw a big banner that said, Where will you be when you get where you're going? And he said that that sign made him realize that he did not know at that time where he would be when he got where he was going. And maybe that's you today. And you need to hear Jesus say, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. I and I alone go to prepare a place for you. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost.